Good morning. I typically see most of you out there. It's nice to see you in here. Hope you had good holidays. When we come to God's Word, when we read God's Word, we get mental images of things we read. You hear the story of the feeding of the 5,000. You think of a fish. Your fish and my fish may be different fish, but you still get an image of a fish. My bread's probably going to be something like a sweet yeast roll, where yours may be something more like an unleavened bread. But when you read God's Word, you get mental images. That's true with people, too. When you read God's Word, you get an image of what you think Christ would have looked like or the disciples. So today we're going to take a look at one of the disciples. And I know when I throw this out there, you're going to get a mental image. Uh, we're going to look at the life of Peter. Now, growing up, I had lots of different thoughts about Peter. I thought he was, you know, really strong and cut and fit because he was a fisherman. And then I met some fishermen and decided he might be a drunk. Um, just kidding. Sorry, fishermen. We don't have pictures from back then. There are no Polaroids. There's no hidden caves with pictures of the disciples. But the great masters back in the day painted, and there, there are churches that are full of pictures. And I googled pictures of Peter, the apostle, and I found some. They're out there. You can, well, don't do it right now. But you can get your phone and go look. Almost every picture that I found looked a lot like Neil Blackwelder. So now every time I see Neil, I think, Peter? Today, we're going to lay down some context from the New Testament and focus on two specific passages. I'm going to give you the last passage first because I want it to kind of float around in your brain, to simmer like in a crock pot while we talk about Peter. Then I want that last thing hopefully to, to come alive for you. If you're one of our men and you were at the board's breakfast and Bible that we had a few months ago, God gave me this outline and passage there, and I really had worked on a different message, and God changed that. I'll tell you about that in a few minutes. But So if you're men, you've probably forgotten, so I think I'm safe. Uh, if you do remember, then maybe God will show you something new. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 21, and if you would, please stand for the public reading of God's holy word. We'll be looking at verses 15 through 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Father, we thank you for today, for the opportunity to look into your word. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit allowed your words and these things to be penned so that we could look at them and study them. And Father, today we ask that your word become alive in our hearts and our souls, and that we will be changed and transformed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Simon, Peter, Cephas, Rocky, 
was a youth pastor for a long time. Simon Bar-Jonah was a follower of Christ. He was from Bethsaida. He had a house. He had a wife. He had a mother-in-law. His dad was John, the King James Version. Jesus calls Peter Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon meaning Peter, Bar meaning son of, Jonah meaning John. He has a brother, Andrew. He was a fisherman by trade. He partnered with his brother, Andrew, and with brothers, James and John, who were also followers of Jesus. Andrew was a follower of John. He was at the baptism of Jesus, where John the Baptist announced Jesus was the Lamb of God and that he would take away the sin of the world. He gave testimony of who Jesus was and that Jesus was God's chosen one. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, went to find Simon and he told him, we have found the Messiah. Andrew was convinced and he wanted Simon to know. Jesus invited Simon and his crew to follow him and to become fishers of men. It was Jesus who changed Simon's name to Cephas, which translated means Peter, which means rock, which is where we get rocky if we're trying to tell people the story. I'd like to take just a second and try to 2021 this a little bit. Peter was a grown man. He was married and he had a business. So get that image. Another grown man, John, not Peter's dad, but the locust and wild honey-eating wild man, spoke of Jesus. Andrew heard it. He let Peter know we found the Messiah. It's a big statement. They all wanted to find the Messiah. When Andrew says to Peter, we have found the Messiah, Peter, of course, wants to go and meet, see, be around the Messiah. When Peter says this statement back to Jesus after Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? Jesus says, well, you didn't figure that out on your own. The Holy Spirit revealed that to you. So Peter is married and he has a mother-in-law. Simon at some home, at some point goes home and he's telling his wife because that's what husbands do. Husbands are shaking, wives are smiling, <laughs> not in my house. Simon tells his wife, honey, I'm no longer fishing. Well, I'm fishing, but now I'm fishing for men. Because Andrew found the Messiah, and the Messiah has invited me, well, us, to follow him. We agreed can almost hear Peter's wife. <laughs> What's it pay? <laughs> Peter, I'll have to check on that. Can't be very much. What are we supposed to eat? Well, you know John, not dad, but the other one, probably share some of his locust and wild honey. And you can almost hear Peter look at his wife and say, Honey, let's not tell your mom about this yet. Right, man? Thank you. 
At some point, there had to be some kind of conversation like that. You don't go from being a fisherman to changing without bringing in your wife and your mother-in-law and your family. At some point, Peter had to make the confession, we have found the Messiah, and I am going to follow him. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us that Jesus, Peter, and the gang went to Peter's house to eat. And while they were there, they found out that Peter's mother-in-law was sick. She was in bed with a fever. She had the COVID. And Jesus went in and healed her. And this is a great mother-in-law. Jesus heals her. She gets up and begins to wait on them. I have a mother-in-law that waits on me. She'll get me Something to drink if my glass goes empty. She gets me food. That's a beautiful mother-in-law. So somehow it worked out because you know if she was still mad at Peter for following Jesus, she'd have stayed in the bed, right? Thank you, mother-in-laws. As we keep looking through the New Testament, Jesus and his disciples are around. A tax collector of the two um, denarii tax came up and asked Peter, does your teacher pay taxes? And so Peter went and asked Jesus, do we pay taxes? And Jesus said a story. And then he said, of course we pay taxes. Take your fishing rod and go over there and drop it in and catch a fish. And then take the coin out of the fish's mouth. And you can use that to pay the taxes. Now, I fish a little. But I wouldn't classify myself as a fisherman. And if somebody told me, go over there. I think I'm being punked. I'm looking for a camera. This is not going to happen. But this was Jesus. And Peter knew they had found the Messiah. So Peter took his rod and dropped it in and caught a fish and pulled the coin out of the fish's mouth and paid the taxes. Jesus told him to drop a line. He did. He catches the fish. Then Peter, along with James and John, were invited with Jesus to go to the mountain. And while they were there at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus burst out with Shekinah glory. And then Moses and Elijah join him. And Peter is ready to build three tabernacles. When Jesus missed the boat and decided to catch up by walking across the water, it was Peter that said, hey, you could tell me to come out there and join you. And if you were to say that, I would do it. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter walks on the water until he loses his focus and begins to sink. As a follower of Jesus, Peter followed Jesus. He went where Jesus went. He had a front row seat to Jesus' ministry. He saw the miracles. He ate the bread and the fish. He was invited into Jairus' house when Jairus' daughter was dead. And Jesus said, little girl get up and he looked at the mom and dad and said get her some food he was in the room he was there when the death began to hear when the blind began to see when the sick were healed and when the pharisees were baffled peter was a real man who walked with jesus i like to hike i like to do multiple day hikes take a pack live in the woods and I take a shower. That's what I do. We have a great resource in Alabama called the Penhody Trail. I love to hike on the Penhody Trail. On one Penhody Trail hike, I had carried my fishing rod. 
I got to the Chakalaka watershed. There's a shelter there and a creek. And it was my granddad's old Bronco pocket fisherman. I'm old. So I took it and began to cast, and I caught three or four pretty small bass, but bass, I cleaned them. I have a little grill rack that I carry in my pack, so I built a fire out of some wood, cooked the fish, delicious, right now. My mouth, which a while ago was a little dry, is tasting those fish and smelling that campfire. I like a campfire. I probably should say to all you fellow grillers, I'm a charcoal guy. If you have gas, that's fine. Keep it to yourself. I know. I said I wasn't going to say it this service. I usually carry a little white gas stove with me so I can boil water and do dehydrated food, except for on the first night when I carry a frozen steak and build a fire and eat a steak and some kind of potato. And it's just that fire cooked food that makes it so good. As I sit by fires, because I try to always have one every night, I sit there and remember countless number of kids camps and junior kids camps and youth camps and long stories told by men sitting around a campfire. I love the smell of a meal cooking on hot coals. We started in verse 15, but I want to back up to verse 9 for a second. Keep in mind that this passage we're looking at takes place on the Sea of Galilee. There had been a miraculous catch of fish. Still don't know what kind. But Jesus had caught the fish, built a fire, and was cooking fish. And we get to verse 9. When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it. And bread. There, in front of Simon Peter and the other disciples, was a pile of burning coals and some fresh fish and bread. You've smelled a wood fire before, right? Because if you've smelled it before, it, it's still there. That first night when I make that first fire, the smoke will get in my clothes and it smells like smoke for the rest of the week. So once you're there, you're you understand. I did not know until I looked this up that the Greek word that's used here for the charcoal wood fire that we find where the fish and the bread were is only used two times in the New Testament. Here in this passage and then in another passage. So I feel like we should go backwards to chapter 18 and let you hear the other passage. Here's what it says. Chapter 18 of John, verses 15 through 18. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. Aren't you one of the man's disciples too? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. Verse 18. It was cold. And the servants and officials stood around a fire that they made to keep warm. And Peter was standing with them, warming himself. If we add passages from the other New Testament books, we find that Peter denies Jesus three times. The last time, basically cursing, I do not know him. 
Three times he denies knowing or having anything to do with Jesus. And then he stood there by the fire, warming himself. Jesus had just been arrested. It was just a couple of hours earlier. And a little before that, Peter was not happy about having his feet washed. He had a pretty significant meal. He had a short prayer time followed by a nap. The soldiers grab Jesus. He takes a swing at Malchus and slices off his ear. Then he's lying to a servant girl, cussing like a sailor and denying he had ever been affiliated with Jesus. And now he stands there next to the fire, warming himself. Night was a swirl of emotions. It was a tough night. At the end of it all, Luke, Luke tells us that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. It affected him. So we remember that moment by the fire in chapter 18 as we jump back to chapter 21. I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to imagine Jesus sitting there, Peter sitting next to Jesus, and that charcoal fire right there in front of them. And Peter being transported back to that night when Jesus was arrested. And when he stood three times and denied that he knew him. They tell us, those people who were smarter than me, that smell more than any other sense is linked to memory. Smells don't just trigger memories. Smells trigger feelings. The perfume industry understands that. They've made a fortune off of it. And John wants us to have that night in mind. Peter is remembering his great failure. Peter failed Jesus even after he vowed not to do so. I would imagine a good number of us know that feeling. To have someone we love so much and we disappoint them so deeply It's difficult as a believer to see Peter deny Jesus. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we can read the words of Peter saying to Jesus, we left everything to follow you. When Jesus told his disciples he was going to die, it was Peter that said, God forbid this should ever happen to you. It was Peter who said in Matthew and also in Mark, even if I have to die, I will never deny you. In Luke, he said, I'm ready to go to prison or to even die. In John, Peter said, why can't I follow you right now? I'm ready to lay down my life in you, for you. It was Peter that told Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. It was Peter who was supposed to be praying during the most difficult time in Jesus' earthly ministry when he fell asleep. And Jesus had to say, could you not give me one hour to pray? It was Peter who drew the sword and whacked off Malchus' ear. It was Jesus who told Peter, you're going to betray me. And you're going to betray me before the rooster crows. And then he told him, you're going to deny me three times. So why do we preach this message? Why do we take the time to look at Peter's successes and Peter's failures? 
It's because I'm concerned about our church. We need to sneak a peek into Peter's life. I think for me and maybe for you, there's a pattern. At some point, to follow Jesus, you have to be willing to give up everything. In church, you make that decision, then you come forward. And basically, you may not say these words, but you say to the congregation, I'm willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. I'm willing to die to myself so that he may live through me. I am ready to do that. And then we pray for you and people clap and that's what happens. It's what happened for Peter. It's what happens for us. And sometimes we do that for a while and then we don't. And when our relationship with Christ stops being our everything... There's a problem. There's, that's a signal. When going to church becomes just going to church, which moves to not even going to church, there's a problem in your relationship with Christ. Peter promised to go to prison or even die for Jesus. But on the night of Jesus' death, it wasn't real. It was just words. He was afraid. He might really die. He didn't want to do that. Fear of imprisonment or death is greater than his promise to follow Jesus. Peter didn't just disappoint a co-worker. He grieved his eternal creator, his Lord, his Savior. He denied the very man who was going to give his life for him on a cross. The very one that he identified as the Christ, the Son of the living God. How do you recover from that? How do you fix that relationship? Has this ever been you? As followers of Christ, we need to be ready to answer that question because it's probably going to happen to you. How do you restore a broken relationship with an infinitely perfect God? The biblical response to that question is, you can't. You can't fix it on your own. But the rest of the answer is you don't have to because someone has already done that for you. Isn't that the message of the gospel? There was this chasm that caused the separation of our sin that kept us from the Father. We could not get to him. So God bridged that gap by the redeeming work of his son on the cross. Peter had a front row seat. Peter denied knowing Jesus. Standing by that fire and warming himself, he denies Jesus three times, just like Jesus said would happen. And then a rooster crowed. I can smell the fire. I've certainly been enough, I've been around enough of them. I can even, and this is hard to say, I've even denied knowing Jesus. Maybe not with the words of my mouth I don't think I've ever said no I'm not a follower of Christ but by my actions I'm not proud of that because of that I can almost say when that rooster crowed I think I know how Peter felt it's an ugly picture in the scripture a follower of Jesus who pledged his life for the cause 
standing by the fire, a fraud. Jesus was arrested. He was beaten, ridiculed, mocked, stripped, spat on, and nailed to a cross. At no point in that process is Peter mentioned. Jesus dies alone, and he's buried. Then on Sunday. Then on Sunday. Then on Sunday, Peter gets word he is alive. Peter had seen dead people come back to life. But it was always at the hands of the voice of Jesus. And now he hears. He's alive. I want you to listen to our passage one more time. John 21. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. What a beautiful picture we see in this passage. Notice it wasn't Peter who was fixing the relationship. Jesus does. Jesus takes the first step, and he graciously walks Peter through this reconciliation. Listen again to verse 15. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Ouch. More than what? There are some options. It would have been tough if Jesus had just stopped while sitting by that fire and said, Simon, do you love me? That's a tough question. But Jesus adds, do you love me more than these? He's asking with a comparison. One way this can be taken is Jesus could be asking, Peter, do you love me more than you love these other disciples? He could be saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? The boat, the great hall of fish, the campfire, the food. Lastly, it could be interpreted as Jesus saying, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? I think Jesus was asking Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? And I know some people aren't comfortable with that idea because it seems harsh. How would you feel if Jesus asked you, do you love me more than your friends? Do you love me more than your Sunday school class? Do you love me more than the church staff? But Peter's not like a lot of us, right? He's a tough guy. And Jesus was not opposed to giving him some very strong correction when it was needed. That's why he once said to him, get behind me, Satan. It's a good thing. I wouldn't say that to your wife today. That's a good thing to say if you want to get somebody's attention. He's the one that asked Jesus, when Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? That Peter said, well, you're the son of God. He answered correctly. Before Jesus was arrested, 
Peter standing in front of the other disciples. And he says, even if everybody else falls away, I'll never fall away. He was confident. He was the confident one. He was proud and he fell. And I think Jesus is addressing his foolish self-confidence. Peter, do you really love me more than these other guys do? Do you really? And what's Peter's answer? (laughs) Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. What's that about? I think it's a calling back. I think Jesus is saying, okay, you messed up. You denied me. You let me down. But I think he's calling him back to his role as an apostle. Feed my lambs. Minister to my people. Teach my truth. Do your job. Now the conversation could have ended right there. Jesus has said enough. But it doesn't. In verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said the third time, do you love me? It's a grieving question. Maybe he's thinking Jesus doesn't believe him. More than that, asking the question three times while sitting by that fire and smelling that smoke, remembering the night that he denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? How does a grieved Peter respond? There's no external way he can or anything that he can do to prove his love for Jesus. He can't go back and say, remember that night in the garden? I pulled a sword, cut somebody's ear. Because right after that, he denied Jesus. He has nothing at this point. And Peter knows that Jesus isn't asking, do you love me perfectly? Because none of us can do that. He's asking, Peter, is there love for me somewhere in your heart? No matter how small or weak that love is, do you really love me? And since Peter has nothing to prove his love, except for his weak words, he leans on something outside of himself. He leans on Jesus' perfect knowledge, his omniscience. He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus helped Peter strip himself of every human confidence. And Peter finally rests, not in himself, but in the power and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You and I, we need to do the same thing. It's amazing to me that God chooses us. It's amazing that God chose me. On November 14th, my wife Patty tested positive for COVID. She woke up Saturday morning. She couldn't smell. She couldn't taste. She said, I'm going to get tested. I said, I'm going to play disc golf. (laughs) Loving husband, right? It was the last day of league. Give me a break. So she went and tested positive. And then she called me and said, I'm tested positive, and I'm thinking, I didn't. I must be stronger than you. So I came up here and worked for a couple of hours, 
And then she called and said, you really need to go test it. And I did, test it negative. Things are good. So we made the plan when I got home that I would move upstairs and she would live downstairs because the kitchen's downstairs. I am a man, right? So I'm up here and she's down there and we're trying to figure this out. And then that night I began to feel bad, hot, and the air conditioner was on. And I went and found a thermometer. I had a fever and I had other symptoms. And I may not have tested positive, but I was pretty sure that I had COVID virus. On Tuesday, I retested and tested positive. And for the next 11 days, I was sick. I moved back downstairs because we both had it. And on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, my oxygen level, my breathing began to drop. And at 3 a.m., we drove to Grandview. Patty took me to Grandview, and she left me because they wouldn't let her come in. Grandview took good care of me. They got good medicine. Um, I was getting better. And then Saturday night, I had a heart issue. I had what they called a COVID heart attack. I was released from the hospital on December 2nd. The whole ordeal was frightening. Was frightening. There were people on my floor that didn't make it. Didn't make it in at one point. I think the first day in. I found myself afraid of what might happen and asking God to spare my life. I've had other brushes with death, but in this moment it seemed very real. And we began to pray and everybody we knew was praying and some of you were praying, thank you. And for some reason, God chose to leave me here. And I think it's because he expects me to still feed his sheep, tend to the lambs. And it's easy to say, well, you're a pastor. But it's not just a pastor thing. It's a Christian thing. And in this story, it's a story about all of us at some point don't live out our faith before our world. We deny Christ. We deny the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're called to be different. We're called to make a difference. Sometimes God takes us home and some days he leaves us here. And every day when God wakes you up, he's saying to you, today, feed my lambs. Today is the day that you should get up and look for a hungry lamb and feed them. During the pandemic, I've been frustrated because it's been hard to be a, a minister um, during the pandemic, and we, early on, we tried to find things to do. We were calling people, and Pastor Davin had the great idea. I think what we need to do is the ministers need to do a video once a week. I'm not really a make-a-video guy. I don't have any way to edit. I just had my phone, and so we started doing it. And to be just honest, we didn't much. I don't think any of us except for Pastor Randy did a good job or liked doing it. But we were doing it because that's what we were supposed to do, and I told you I played disc golf, and one day I'd gotten to disc golf for league, and this guy who had hit me in the head with the disc and split my eye open was walking up, and he walked up and said, I don't like rumble strips either. <laughs> what are you talking about? Rumble strips. And then I remembered in my video for the week I had used rumble strips. And I said, you watched my video? He's not a church guy. And then he said this. 
Yes, it's my church. And I heard the voice of Jesus say to me and to you, do you love me? Feed my sheep. I don't know how you're going to do it this week. I don't know how you're going to pull it off in 2021. But I want you to hear that Jesus is saying to you, believer, feed my sheep. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Father, sometimes your word is hard. And sometimes your word has pretty pictures. And sometimes it has not very pretty pictures. And we've seen all of that today. We've seen one of the great ones, Peter, at the moment you needed him most, deny you. And then to be remembered, to remember that night, every time there was a fire. Father, thank you for giving him another chance. Thank you for proving that beyond a doubt, no matter what we do or have done, you're willing to look at us and say, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Please show us what that means in our life, in our ministry, as we walk around this year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.